Hello everyone, this is Steph, and we are still here at Casa de Evans. Uh, I'm joined by Will, still. Hello. Tom, still. Good afternoon. And Jonathan, still. Hello. Uh, Jonathan still could be our manager. Ba-boom. <laughs> <laughs> Might need to be edited. That, that, so that didn't pass. That was good, but I liked it. I, I just wasn't saying. smart enough to get it at the time. <laughs> um, and we're now going to be discussing our review of the season just gone. Will you preface this by saying, I don't want to go back to that misery or something along those lines? Well, yeah, I mean, it's just there were highlights in the season, but let's be honest, there were few and far between. And it was a, I think it might be my worst season supporting Barno like it's the one where I, I probably felt the most despondent at times over what's that 25-30 years you know so it's it's not one of the the highlights certainly but I'm happy to sit here with you guys and talk about it <laughs> it's, oh, you it, yeah. it's good to get things off your chest <laughs> you don't really have a choice do you unless you kick us out you've got to <laughs> you mean you can sit in another room but that would just be weird um, Tom any, any emotional reaction just while we're doing this bit of a therapy session yeah I think it's good to look back on it isn't it because at the time you get very hit up and caught up in what's happening at that moment it's good to look back on it with the full kind of context of an entire season um, I think looking back on it with the full context of the entire season it was an almighty up <laughs> wasn't it but you have to believe that thank you we'll, um, yeah we'll get we'll drill down into that in the next <laughs> therapy yeah I haven't enjoyed football for a long time now purely um, because this season doubly bad for me the fact that I've enjoyed or not enjoyed uh, two relegations in one season or three and two uh, if you count Sunderland being uh, terrible as well um, but yeah it's never fun being relegated as well so there is highlights in there somewhere most notably over Swindon and uh, other results but yeah they're, they're far too scattered around and not consistent enough to make this season uh, one that we're going to look back with uh, fondness that's fair enough so from my perspective I was resigned to it from halfway through the season anyway so the emotional impact on me was very minimal I will say that unlike others I don't get that concern about relegation because as far as I'm concerned it generally means the difference between watching terrible football and losing all the time and whether it's watching terrible football and winning every so often or actually playing a bit better quality of football it, it, I actually for me purely as a fan who doesn't really care too much about the storyline like conference just means a nicer season to watch to be honest with you I mean with all due respect you don't need to yeah. work in it or go to it every week yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I do actually know what you mean I think that there's when I was younger and we got relegated like uh, yeah, the Torquay United game I was absolutely devastated I kind of, it took me a while to recover now I've, I've kind of got a bit more I'm not so depressed by the whole thing. At the end of the day, you go to football on a Saturday and you enjoy it, you enjoy the whole event. And it is nice to see a year where you win things, especially when you've had a few, not so much this time, but when we had the years in League Two before, we lost every week for year after year after year. You know, sometimes it is pleasant to have a break and to see us winning. But the problem is that the drop from League Two to the National League, it's such a, how do I describe it? You lose all the... All the, all the benefits that go alongside the football, you know, being on the, being on the highlight show on Saturday evening, being seen as a kind of reputable club. I think mm. when you drop down to the National League, it just doesn't have that, that same feel. It feels a little bit amateur and a little bit kind of semi-professional, even though it's not for most of the team. Yeah. Um, if, it, if it was what you're saying, Staff, and it was a choice between being a team at the top of League 2 or the bottom of League 1, then I, I'd probably be much more likely to go along with it because really it doesn't matter which one of those leagues you're in, in all honesty. But when you drop out of the football league, it's got something more dramatic about it I guess that's fair enough I would say though as a counterpoint a very small counterpoint as someone who's got fans who are like Liverpool fans and Spurs fans etc etc the prestige you're talking about is non-existent anyway you're talking about the, the prestige of being in the league like to you know people who support like I said the Spurs the Liverpools of the world League 2 and Conference is basically the same thing to them they don't care so we that's live in this little bubble and it means something to us but yeah that's probably some truth I'd say the next season will be more enjoyable at the end of the day it doesn't really matter what league you're in if you're supporting a team and they're winning every week you're going to be happy yeah. aren't you yeah, yeah totally 100%. right Tom mm. Russell Eames should, should we do this again <laughs> I don't think we've discussed him enough um, it wasn't given enough time how, how, did, that, how did the season start really uh, well well enough I think didn't it beat Luton and, uh, and had the uh, the Peterborough win in the cup 
And it looked pretty good at that point, and obviously things went off. And I think you know one of the things we scribbled down to talk about is what, why did it go wrong aside from the injuries? So I won't delve into that too much. Um, yeah, it started well, it went wrong. Was he given enough time? In summary, <sighs> I don't know. I don't know is the honest answer because I think he was given quite a while. But I still think half a season, one transfer window, crucially with your, you know, the players that you're able to bring in, just isn't very long at all. And we were trying to, he was trying to strike out on his own, having shared it with Henry last season and had Kevin Nugent. And it, no, it probably wasn't long enough on the whole. And with the full context of the season and what happened afterwards, it might as well have been him rather than what followed. In my view, yeah, actually, it, on that on that pure thing alone, yeah. actually, if someone's going to take us down, that's it. I'd rather it was him trying to build something, which we've talked about to death. But he was at least trying to build something. There was an identity and an idea, and it just kind of cut off. And it's not in its prime, but you know, too soon certainly for me. Will and Jonathan, were either of you there at the game where the abuse happened that he then referenced later? It was Blackburn away, wasn't it? Mm. I was there. You were. Was he was in Korea. Yeah, he was mid-season holiday, which is just Cash. criminal. But, yeah. Um, Not yeah, sure I, they got away that one. <laughs> I was there, um, but obviously it was Blackburn Rovers away in Blackburn, big club, um, big stadium, uh, and I was right up in the gods in the top tier, and the Barnet fans were on the tier below me, so I didn't actually get to see them at all. Um, speaking to Rossi after the game, he was he's a little bit despondent, but I would have, wouldn't have put that down to something big happening like that I would, I would have said it was a he was disappointed to look it's disappointed to lose um it's it's, it's harsh treatment i mean i mean that as well wasn't the uh abuse that he was referencing to was actually not to his, his dad wasn't it which yeah. is just bang out of order you should never go that far um and sometimes things are taken out of context and football i know everyone hates saying it but it's just a game at the end of the day when you're insulting someone's family member then You've gone way too far. Um, I don't blame Rossi for stepping down when it got to that. He was given an almighty tough time uh, when he was in charge of Barnet. And I think he was doing the best he probably could with uh, the players that are out injured all the time. He, he can never really play in the way he wanted to. He had to change formation at some points because he ran out of players that were playing at those positions. Um, so he, had to, you know, he only had one fit striker, so he can only play with one up front. Um, but there is obviously we've got to bring down the uh, there's a few players that he just wouldn't look at at all which in hindsight probably should have done well I mean he did actually if you remember he did right at the end right at the end when he was but we, we took that as the as the final straw like he'd broken at that point because he'd been so strong for so long and then I think it was Ryan Watson and Nichols, Nichols he threw yeah. in and uh, we said that I remember I thought at that point the fact that he's played them now means that uh, you know he's cracked to, to the pressure well it was Accrington standing away when he did it and then we lost 4-1 yeah not great not great I think the same thing still stands I think he did cracks not a bit of a harsh word but he was trying to build a footballing philosophy and those guys they may have done well under previous management afterwards but that doesn't mean to say he was wrong to suggest that those players weren't sort of stylistically mm. the kind of players he wanted you know and that and it felt like at that point he wanted to maintain the same style the same principles but was potentially throwing in two players who didn't align with that I think I don't think we were necessarily wrong to see that as the point when he kind of lost it a little bit perhaps from our point of view though from the outside looking in I mean you could under, we could sort of understand a little bit I mean knowing what we know now he, we would all say he probably should have put those players in a, in a little bit sooner but at that point, the likes of Ryan Watson, Alex Nichols, and Dan Swinney hadn't really done much to say, pick me, if you know what I mean. No, actually, I, was, I, actually, I would agree with what um, Will said. I hate revisionism, so I keep mm. banging on about it on the pod. I would say that, you know, forget what we know now. At the time, it was the correct decision. And mm. I think Will was right. You know, those players didn't fit the style that he was trying to play. So not playing them was the correct decision, in my opinion. The fact that he then played them, like I said, just showed that he'd mm. kind of... He, he kind of moved out of it and, and sort of started to perhaps listen to this abuse or whatever um, which is a, a massive shame isn't it really um, and I think Tom you touched, touched it and said it best if nothing else even if we had to get relegated it would be better to get relegated under Rossi mm. uh, and if I could add on top of that actually 
just so that the club would have gone down but without looking like a circus. That's true, yeah, exactly. The club is like a, a duck, really, isn't it? On the top of the water, it looks very serene and what have Well, actually, that's probably a stretch. But anyway, <laughs> I'm going to keep going. The rest of the and under the water, his legs are going furiously and there's absolute chaos. Um, and I think the subsequent what came, which we're going to touch on in a minute was the real ridiculous part of the season and it's a shame you know from Rossi's point of view obviously he wasn't sacked he stepped down for his own reasons and I think we respect those reasons and as everyone said you know you can't condemn sorry you can't condone you can condemn <laughs> the, the grief people were giving him and the grief people were giving his you know family that's completely out of order it was a shame that he wasn't able to have the complete you know the right tools and the time and everything to do the circumstances do what he could because the signs when it wasn't um all going against him were actually quite positive I'm going to go on a Jonathan Stark call out actually because this has been bothering me for a while I don't know if I've mentioned it or not surely for someone to, to abuse his dad they must have known Rossi or people like or, you know have some sort of knowledge right Yeah, I don't, so, know, I don't know what they said but, no no but yeah. I'm saying like you can't like I couldn't abuse Tom's dad without knowing to, Tom to mm. some extent right yeah, yeah. so on that basis these people must have known they must be known to other people just don't come to football again you can't handle it if no. you can't come to a football game without abusing someone's dad just, just stop coming. Just you're there for it's the wrong reasons. If you're there to abuse someone's yeah. family, you're there for the wrong reasons. Just if you're going there to support the team, yeah, back the manager. Say, you know, we're, we're still behind you and all that. Don't go insulting the family. Booing fans is one thing, but yeah. but that's right. Booing the team is one thing, yeah. but <laughs> booing the fans is like the next level. Players against up. But <laughs> seriously, just that that's that's way too far. Do you know what I want to do? I'll join you in this this rant against people who rant so to speak on social media against managers because it's not do you know what like I think some of the abuse that Rossi received you know over his social media and all this kind of thing was absolutely disgusting to be honest with yeah. you and it the people doing it if, if they realised what a nice bloke he was yeah. and you know really quite a sensitive bloke I think um I don't know, I just think they should be ashamed of themselves really because no, it, was, it really wasn't a very nice thing to do to a really nice person. It's so much more personal at a club like Barnet, isn't it? Where, you know, Rossi's been around for a long time, he knows a lot of the fans, you always see him on match days talking to fans, he's in the bar quite often afterwards and, he's, you know, he is with what I presume to be his dad because he's an older looking bloke with similar hair colour. <laughs> um, and, you know, he's he's a much a presence around the club, isn't he? Everybody knows him, you can go and speak to him, he's a lovely guy, you know, we say next we all know him, but, you know, if you didn't know him from, from Adam, he would be as well. It's so much more personal than the club like Man United where you could have a million times more people grieving you, giving you grief yeah. but you don't actually know the faces and the names and so on and they can't get you on Twitter so easily and that yeah. is why it's not right and people should have... I'm glad, Will, you said it, you know, feel as strongly as I do. I mean, I'm, I'm dead serious about that. I sh- that person s- somehow knows... Will, um, not Will. <laughs> knows Rossi well enough to know his dad. The name and stuff hasn't come out as far as I'm aware. That person, dubious where we should be allowed around the club. That's dubious. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not happy with that. I don't. I don't like that at all. Yeah. Um, anything else that we want to say about Rossi's era? Um, I'd. I'd like to say that I want Rossi to have a good career in the future. Really, I'd like to. He's one of these. I'm gonna. If he has a does does have a career in management, I'll follow his career like a football mm. team. Um, and I'll support him wherever he goes as yeah. long as we don't go to Newcastle no. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with that actually like you know Rossi is something we are all going to look out for right because yeah. mm. I think it's one of the sort of great sort of managerial tragedies if you like we've seen at Barnet in that I think it's, just, just go for it it's, it's, just, it's just let Tom get his sweetie out come on Tom <laughs> I tried to do it gently, it's not happening. Just really it over, look. Uh, there you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's fine. Go on, right. serious point. I think that circumstances, I, I've never seen circumstances conspire against the manager so much. And I think that once you had all those injuries, you can never get it. It was going to be very hard for a new manager to ever get the dressing room back in the sense that you've, you've lost so many, you don't have the experience mm. to really turn it around. And you've been hit with an injury crisis that plenty of experienced managers who've achieved an awful lot in the game would have really struggled with um, and you just wonder don't you if you look back and you think if all those players had stayed fit and we can talk about the issues the imbalance in the squad the lack of a defensive midfield or whatever but even ignoring that if all that, that first 11 had stayed fit and we'd kept going from that you know the games against Swindon Peterborough 
we could be talking about Barnaby being at the opposite end of the table at the end of the season that the whole momentum of the season could be completely different so Martin show, sorry Martin showed what that fully you know fully fit squad was capable of doing yeah. he was only missing Dave Tarpey who was a bit of a meh because you know we never actually got to see what he could do really and Elliot Johnson who was ably replaced by David Stunder in the end so they showed what that squad could do there was, yeah. you know, there was no one really in that squad in that team at the end, by the end of the season I'm thinking that was signed in January that Rossi didn't have Available to him. Rossi yeah. never had a fully fit squad to work from no. ever since John Kinder got injured in pre season. It was, I think, John Kinder's first game back from you know being properly fit was Colchester, which was his last game, wasn't it? Rossi. Yeah, that was the was irony that like, yeah, the yeah, one time we never know how he's how he would what he would have done, and that's a real sad truth. Isn't it? Unfortunately, as we're sure about to move on to. The, um, when the squad was fully fit, perhaps the man who was in charge of it was uh, not <laughs> able to do anything with it. Da, da, da. Break time. You can subscribe to the Officers Club podcast on iTunes, Acast, SoundCloud or Player FM. You can get in touch with the show over Twitter at Barnet underscore podcast or why not head over to our website, officersclubpod.com. Welcome back. Fun times. The Mark McGee era. The Mark McBee era. That's terrible. <laughs> I'm trying to lighten the mood because it's not going to be fun for the next 10, 15 minutes, is it? McBee? McBee. McGee. Yeah. Barnaby. Oh, right. Wow. Compared to the Jonathan Still one. No, I prefer that. Jonathan okay. Still was significantly better. Yeah. Thank you. That's fine. Anyway, okay. carry on. I'm getting worse as the, as the season goes on, just like the yeah. Mark McBee era. Yes. No? Okay. That was a hashtag <laughs> list when he was isn't it? <laughs> Go on, Tom. The first question we wrote down here is, was there ever a shred of logic to this? No. No, there wasn't. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We've since been told, obviously, that he was brought in to be director of football and you know he was going to help out Rossi in that by taking that weight off him technical and then advisor. it sorry technical advisor it all means the same doesn't it broadly <laughs> um, and uh, he was going to take that burden off of Rossi and then Rossi said alright see you later lads and Mark McGee steps into the breach fine you can swallow that but he was announced as manager and he was given a manager's length of time to be in charge not two or three games he was in charge for something like 11 games that is a manager 16 is it that many? Oh, right, okay. Oh. A lot of games, double figures for games. Where are you when Trump's fan? It's immediate fact checking. He was given a lot of games. It did not make sense. It did not even make sense in being director of football. Because if it was the early 2000s, brilliant, great director of football appointment because he's been relevant manager in England for a while. He wasn't a relevant manager in England. He'd been working in Scotland. And that's not to say he doesn't know England, but he doesn't know England. You're telling me he knows the Isthmian League better than Rossi. Do you know what I mean? Or the Southern mm-hmm. League better than Rossi, where he might be picking up these players. He's rubbish. In terms it was just, of player scouting, though, Scottish top flight, League Two, same thing. Right? It is, of course. That's a dig at Will, because Will loves Scottish football. It is, <laughs> but we haven't got the money to tempt them down here, I should imagine. So it was. it never made sense to me. There was just... It was classic chairman guy looking through, as we've mentioned before, his little black Tony's little black book could be the name of a Barnet podcast, couldn't it? <laughs> so him going through that again and going, he's out of work, bosh, and not actually applying any more thought to it than that in my mind. Anyway, obviously I don't know what you know, but yeah, it didn't make any sense. That's the biggest crime for me in it all. What you're saying there is you can't vouch for what the chairman was thinking. Yeah, I don't yeah. think anyone can vouch for what the chairman was thinking. And he tried over like two statements and we still don't know what he was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can make I can make arguments for why it may have seemed like a logical choice at the time. Well, you're a gem, please you know, do. Uh, I, I think, I imagine mm. that the philosophy is very much that... We had we had an injury crisis, and we had an inexperienced manager who was ill-equipped to deal with that because he was inexperienced. So let's go for someone who's very experienced, and then you know potentially you could have looked at the director of you know when he was originally going to come in as the director of football or something of that ilk, and you, maybe you're saying to yourself, oh, he does have the contacts, you know, potentially in the Scottish game. I mean, you look at uh, Plymouth Argyle with Derek Adams. And they've added some really good players over the years from his connections in the Scottish game. You know, uh, Greg Wild, I think it's all right for them. And then um, Graham Carey's been yeah, fantastic Graham for them. Yeah, Graham Carey's a big one, isn't he? Um, the, the, the problem 
was that he not only was he he just wasn't very good I mean that's all I can say he did really baffling things didn't he like the game where he chucked right Pascal and Benji surname in right after a win yeah right after a win tactics selection just everything Agadino Dave just call him Dave very good tell you what who's a professional commentator (laughs) I wouldn't even know how to attempt that very good very good yeah After, after a win well he just didn't do I mean there wasn't anything he got right, but the most striking thing was the fact that he didn't. He seemed to. What do you really think, Will? He seemed to think that the players were just awful, and he was. Yeah, yeah. He was that's... open about that right from the beginning. He was miserable, dour, um, and he just. We, we use this phrase, well, this phrase comes up all the time, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, because it was the worst example of it, where every single thing that Barnett had achieved under Rossi, like the, the the stuff he trained them in during pre-season and the time he was in charge the good football within a second that was all gone and it was just yeah, it was pump it forward the impression he always gave sorry Jonathan to very quickly this is the last thing you want to add it it was like he had done sorry the chairman had done him a big favour in the 80s and, to, and he said whenever you need a favour Tony I'll get you back don't you worry <laughs> nothing too big nothing too small forgotten all about it and then he's just gone ring ring can you come down and manage Barnet and he's gone do I you a favour don't I <laughs> Fine, and they just gone, spent the entire time just going. I don't want to be. I don't want to be doing this. You know, everything's rubbish. Yeah. Genuinely, That's never, it. it never felt like he was one hundred percent in it. It was. I mean, we have this theory of like he was brought in to be the director of football, and then he was or technical advisor, and then he was um, chucked in at the deep end. And I don't. He didn't want to be there, did he? He was doing us a favour, as, as Tom's just saying. Mm. It was. It was just his blatant refusal to work with what he's got. And he was like, I'm just going to have to wait until the transfer window to get new players. Well, mm. you've got to do something until then, at least. I'll never forget that interview. I can't remember which game it was, but the interview I said, like, what are you going to do about, you know, this poor run of form? And he just turned to me and went, get new players. Well, mm. you've still got another month to go until you get new players. What are you going to do in between then? And it's, that sort of thing it rubs off on the players as well, doesn't it? If they go... slating their confidence as well, wasn't it? It was... Saying we we noticed it when Wesley came in and how much of a lift he gave everyone when he was saying every defence in this league are going to be frightened coming up against an on-form John Kinder and an on-form Shaq. But Mark McGee was saying, "Now, nah, what I want him to be doing more." And it was just. Can I counterpoint? <clears throat> if if only because sorry, loves the counterpoint. I do, I do. Just because it's something I mentioned at the time, and it's something I think that does genuinely need to be explored. Mark McGee came from Scottish international football, didn't he? He was the assistant manager before right, yeah. his last, his previous role before he came to Barnet. Just saying, could there be something in the fact that this man, who's been working with very highly trained, highly skilled professional players, comes down to League Two? And okay, maybe he's failed to adapt. Obviously, he has failed to adapt. But when he's sort of saying like this group of players. You know, isn't good enough or needs to change or however he's saying it granted I'm not, I'm not actually trying to defend him I'm just saying it when that's like a smoking gun isn't it because then if you think that around that time we know that um, Martin Allen was approached and says to the chairman you're in a relegation dogfight uh, does that do they not kind of factor in to, I'm just saying like to Mark McGee what he's saying I don't think he managed the team well but that you know maybe he did have a point actually because he was he was basically the first person saying We've got problems here. The players aren't good enough. Or the attitude isn't good enough. And actually, here yeah, we are. We've been right, relegated. Yeah. You're absolutely right. He's the one who identified it, but he was the one who was also had the job of correcting it. And he didn't do that. Well, he he was out before that transfer window, wasn't he? No, but he, he could do things as a as such an experienced manager and coach. You could do something to improve those players. The only player who I said had a good spell under him is Jack Taylor. Everyone else was. They just declined massively. I agree. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm playing as a devil's advocate, more yeah. just because I think there actually is something to that bit there. But what was also must never do it. Time. Just to cut you off. I mean, like you know, at the end of the day, he managed to take that same group of players pretty much and get a significant number of results out of it at the end of the season. So it, we went down, and that shows that McGee obviously had a point because the players weren't up to the required standard. Because over the course of the season, they couldn't get enough points to stay in the division. But at the same time. Martin Allen proves that if you're a competent manager you can do something to get something out of those players even if they're not good enough which yeah. he didn't manage to do and actually neither did Graham Wesley really despite his best efforts he did a few things that you could say yeah well done I mean the first game that he had was away at Port Vale and it was Dan Sweeney was chucked in and that's before we knew Dan Sweeney was ever going to turn out how he is 
and we were all taking a massive breath in and thinking what are we about to see here I asked him after the game and he, he criticised the previous regime of whoever was running it was saying well Dan Sweeney he was, he was going to go out on loan and I just watched him train and thought he's actually alright so he called him in and put him in the team I don't argue with that well done for doing that it was a good decision in the end but it's just he didn't I think a manager that would have dedicated all their time and all their energy to be in charge of that team like they're supposed to would have done a lot better because he was just like oh, I can't be asked really listen I, I agree with that and I think uh, Tom's semi-joking analogy was probably very accurate if we're honest mm. you know it did feel like uh, Mark McGee came in as, as a, a favour to a mate mm. saw oh you know I'm used to dealing with you know fine watercolour paints and I've been given <laughs> I've been given some wall paint here I can't be, I can't really be bothered uh, you know people have been saying that Conte's been uh, been phoning it in at Chelsea this season I mean by that standard Mark McGee dropped the phone and ran, <laughs> ran away as well but, but ultimately I'm just saying that he was the first one to say that actually we do have a problem here yeah. um, I mean, you, you, uh, going back to it I mean Will uh, Tom's said about the chucking in the Dwight Pascal and Ben Jagadino right after a win yeah. Like you stick with a winning team, you say well done for turning the game around against Newport, scoring two goals in the last two minutes. I'm going to reward you by playing you in the next game. No, I'm actually going to put two kids who've never played a game before ahead of you. What's that going to do if you're a player? I actually don't know why I'm defending Mark McGee so much because it yeah. was, even in my opinion, it was one of the worst, one of the worst appointments is. we've ever had. Um, and uh, to add on top of that, when he was dialing it in, it clearly affected the players, didn't it? Like they, they, he was complaining that they were giving up. And he gave up on them, so they just gave up even more. It was this right. ridiculous yeah. cycle, wasn't it? So forgetting him as a manager then, because he then obviously stayed on for a bit longer, as a director of football, Will, why didn't that work? Uh, not because of the role. No. Why didn't he work as a director of football? Um, I, there wasn't enough time to actually determine whether he would have worked as a director of football or not, in the sense that... Oh, actually, no, that's not true, is it? Because I'm just thinking, actually, like he was charged with the recruitment over January, and that was a complete and utter disaster. So, um, okay, let me re- rephrase that somewhat. <laughs> um, when you're, if you're coming in as director of football of a team that's bottom of League Two, it's very, very hard to recruit the, the kind of people that you need to get in at Christmas time because players don't want to come with the risk of the fact they'll drop out of the football league. Um, so I guess you could say that his time that he had as director of football was a very challenging period and maybe there were some ten- extenuating circumstances as to why he didn't achieve anything there. But I guess ultimately you live you live and die by your by your transfers really in that role and we didn't get anyone of any note in at all over, over the Christmas period. So that's why it didn't work. In his old time at the club as a manager or technical advisor, can you name me one good thing he done? I've no idea about Mark McGee. Any of them? No, not at all. He got the staff to wear ties. That was that. If that's what we're. As far as I'm aware, that was one of his things, just to make it a bit more uniform and have all the staff wearing like smart ties. But um, but I think the fact uh, this is probably a fair summary of the whole of his time in charge. If that's the best thing that he did at the club, it tells you everything you need to know about him as a manager. I will say, even when we appointed him, the one thing I will say is that I did hear, I did. It reminded me of the Laurie Sanchez kind of thing. I just thought like we're just getting in someone who probably doesn't want to be there, been there, you know, been somewhere else in the game. It never really works out with managers, does it? Players that, who are going down the leagues, they're grasping at playing football, so there's something left in them. They want to play football, but managers as they're going down the leagues, it's generally yeah, not a good yeah, thing, is it? I mean, we were warned about him as well when we appointed him because everyone was sending us messages saying, "Good luck," because he's he's a nightmare. Oh, loads of Aberdeen fans was sending us those videos of him having a go at that fan and everything. It was just yeah. Yeah. right. Let's 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 put ourselves out of our misery. <laughs> Any other business, will on Mark McGee? No, I think we've probably said enough. Then Tom, no, ditto. Jonathan, yeah, I'm gonna leave it. <laughs> right, let's go have a happy break and be back to talk about Graham Wesley. You're listening to the Officers Club podcast. We are on SoundCloud, Acast, Player FM and iTunes. But please do let us know if we are not on your favourite platform. You can do this by getting in touch with us on Twitter at Barnet underscore podcast. And while you're at it, hit the follow button. Or you can visit our website, officersclubpod.com. Welcome back. 
uh, we're on to part three of four, conveniently because we had four managers in a single season. Graham Wesley era. Tom, I'm going to let you start again uh, to quote, this was never a good idea, was it? I wrote these <laughs> bullet points to work from, so shockingly I do agree with that. It was never a good idea. I think I probably got you know, pulled along by Will's optimism uh, when we did the podcast at the time. But he was always going to have to hit the ground running because of his background and you know his history with the Barnet fans. Hitting the ground running with a team that's doing terribly is very difficult. So, first of all, he was off on the wrong foot. Secondly, he's not a firefighter. He came in on after January 15th, which was when Mark McGee departed. He all stepped back. That is most of the season. So the need for a quick start is only heightened. And by the way, you only have two weeks of the transfer window to assess the scores, get in the people you want, get out of the people you don't want. A transfer window which she's not in control of. A transfer window which she's not in control of, exactly. And quite famously wasn't in control of with his point-blank refusal to play any of the players, apart from Jordan Nicholson, who got a little look in, who were given to him. Um, you know, does Tim Plavatich even exist? Who knows? Um, yeah, it was, it was just comical, really, wasn't it? Um, the recruitment. And that's out of his hands it didn't help him as we say but the things that we could help were when we appointed him and I think if he'd have come in when Mark McGee came in it would have made more sense because he would have still been unpopular but it would have given him a little bit more time to assess the score before January and then have a full January to work with Mark McGee or whoever else to bring the players in that he needed because it was evident we needed players no one would you know dispute that but it just didn't make sense did it it was just and it was the thing, was it was a Mark McGee um, recommendation, wasn't it? Yeah. Allegedly. So the chairman claims. I find it hard to believe that he would have let someone else go off and appoint a manager of his football club, to be quite honest. I think that's chairman smoke and mirrors, but that's only my suspicions. So no, in summary, to me, the timing of it was the worst thing and it, and it made no sense from that point of view. He's not a firefighter. He builds things. He's very good at building things. He's not good at firefighting. Well, when he joined and he did that, uh, let's be honest very good interview with yeah. BBC yeah, yeah. where he was being very confident about the club and the strikers and stuff like that didn't he also and we should have seen it then but we were so busy looking at the positives we didn't say anything but he spent most of that interview then talking about his time at Newport where where he wasn't the firefighter and he'd been sacked yeah, to bring a firefighter in and he was talking about how they got it wrong and how he'd given them a plan of what to do so he basically said like he basically highlighted that he wasn't trusted as a firefighter just after we brought him in as a firefighter. Do you know what though? And I've got to say this: all managers do a damage limitation on their reputation after a mm. club. Martin's fantastic at it; never really gets sacked. He goes on talk sport about ten minutes later and kind of rewrites history a little bit to make sure it's all in his favour. Um, what I would say about Wesley is that. There's probably a grain of truth in that when he was at New Newport, I, my what I imagine is that he did something very similar to what he did to us, which is that the team were in complete disarray. He organised things, took it back to basics, got the players fit, all of those things he did at Barnard. The problem is that he didn't have the skills to take it one step further, and he he was he wasn't bold with his tactics. He would he would sit on a point when really you needed to go for three points. He did make some absolutely baffling substitutions, um, yeah, which cool. didn't go to try and win a game. Um, and if you look at his record at Newport, it's remarkably similar. He kept drawing, um, and you know they, they had been losing all their matches, but he just kept getting point, point, point. But that's no good because you need more than a point. Um, and so, in a sense, he probably did lay the groundwork for Martin Allen to do what he did, and he probably did lay the groundwork at Newport for the following manager to keep them up. It's just that he's not the one that did it. Yeah, that's right. And. Uh, it's not enough and uh, like we, we've said before if he'd been in charge for the whole season potentially at either club I don't think he they would have gone down the, the simple truth of the matter is that he may be an organiser but he wasn't a firefighter and that, well, that's just we, that situation was so desperate and the fact that we appointed someone who didn't the fact that we underestimated the level of desperation that we appointed someone without any reputation for firefighting probably tells you everything about why it was the wrong appointment yeah I think in fairness, I think both sides of this are fair. I think what Tom said about uh, Graham Wesley not making any sense as an appointment, I think that's true. And I think what you're saying, that actually having come in, he actually did a surprisingly good job. I think that's also true. I think the net effect of it, in my personal opinion, is that it doesn't matter how good he is or was, wasn't good enough. You know, He did a better job than we were expecting, still wasn't good enough. It still wasn't what we needed. And 
uh, Tom, what you were saying, just to go back to it, actually, mm. that whole period of bringing in a manager with two weeks left of the transfer. Yeah. Stuff, you look back at that and how did we only get relegated on goal difference? Because we were an absolute shambles at that time. Martin Allen effect. <laughs> does it hugely undermines Wesley, though, doesn't it, in terms of the fact that, I mean, he wasn't you know, charged with player recruitment. The players that he wanted or you know, he didn't get the players he wanted. Well... At the end of the day, you turn around about you know, talk about any manager, and how on earth can you judge them on a when they haven't been backed in the way that a manager should? That's and I don't get me wrong; this applies to managers probably across the country. Who all yeah. are being backed by by chairman or whoever it is in various transfer windows. But it does just make you think. You know, he was just about keeping us ticking over and you know, kind of almost almost gaining to do something, and he couldn't manage it. But would he have managed it with his own players? Yeah, he might not be as good a manager as Martin Allen, but that doesn't mean he's not a good manager he had his own players. He did, the perform picked up under him, didn't he? But he basically didn't pick up quick enough, given where we were. If he'd have come in... good enough. Yeah, if, that's it. If, if it, that's what I was saying about it, he needed to hit the ground running. If he'd have come in where Mark Gee came in and bobbed along, you know, win, draw, couple of losses, draw, win, couple of losses... It'd probably be enough to keep us tracking along where we needed to be, but by that point we're another two miles down the line. It was like it needs to be win, win, draw, yeah. lose, and it just never got near that, did it? So, and, and as I say, the circumstances weren't helpful to him. But it was just bad. And talking of recruitment, um, his recruitment at Newport was terrible, wasn't it? He signed players for fun, and most of them got binned off as soon as before he left, even, wasn't it? Matthew Briggs was all he needs to be said. Yeah, Matthew Briggs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Martin Allen, who was actually, who generally tends to come in with a very positive mentality, you know, he tries to say, forget what's happened before, blah, blah, mm. blah, made a very big point when he first joined of saying, I'm flushing the squad, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. yeah. I think that's that's as close as it got, really, from Martin Allen. Uh, you did the interviews, Jonathan, so you can yeah. correct me, but I, remember, I think that's as close as he got to saying, what has happened here beforehand? Yeah. I've got to fix this. Now, whenever I mentioned about previous... Yeah, games that had happened previous to him coming in or anything like that might and I would straight off the back of well I wasn't here mm-hmm. and he's just protecting himself by saying that but um, it's true he wasn't there he didn't have any control over it but he did yeah as soon as he came in it was uh, it cleared the day what 20 players on it he did manage the incredible achievement of actually releasing a player who never formally signed for us by do you remember he announced oh, yeah, that Jordan Brown was going to be Brown. leaving and Jordan Brown like, had been on trial with the club under Wesley mm. but had never even signed I just thought it was great that like, this guy got released who was never a Barnum player and I do I, personally I, a bit like Michael Nelson I do have a little bit of I do have time for Graham Wesley because there was so much made of who he was as a person and his reputation in the game as genuinely being the most hated person in the game I didn't get a sniff of that when I was dealing with him he was, he was I mean, a delight to deal with he was, on a, he was on a PR role though wasn't he I mean he was, was he was putting himself back in the shop window That the whole thing for him was talk a good game make everyone think you're you know, a good manager a good person well, despite all these myths and rumours yeah, you, would, you would do that to the press but behind closed doors you'd be as you, were, as you were but Michael Nelson still says he's got a lot of time everyone, no, I, I everyone that I've spoken to who worked with him suggested that he was a very nice place to work I've heard the same thing but I'm saying that, that kind of do person that, right? and if you're in his camp then great you know a, a lot of his former players followed him around went back to Stevenage with him etc yeah. etc et and then people who didn't like him or didn't get in his team and obviously this happens in all walks of life with all people are the ones that you know stick the knife in and complain about him but I think yeah you know the fact that um, Michael Nelson is still in touch with him and still likes him listen to that pod is uh, is pretty indicative because he he's he's also big mates with Martin Allen isn't he hence he's followed him up there yeah, yeah. so I think if you can like you know both you know, it's not that you know they can coexist but they're different kind of people aren't they and, uh, yeah that's yeah. fair we, well, we have to be we have to be fair and say that Graham Wesley didn't do ultimately the damage to us this season no and and uh, Jonathan and Will you two said you know you, you felt quite comfortable with him at the helm for yeah, a lot of it so. you know, well it was a brave appointment putting him in but I, th- I think he did he did well to turn things around considering where he was you know coming into Barnett giving his Stevenage roots and everything else but he did alright turning it all around and I, I think I mean we, uh, we can only really compare him to Martin Gee and even I would do a better job than Mark McGee in charge of Barnet. Really, it was big shout. You're, you're gonna do, you're gonna do all right. And what about you, you, you get you that up, type of player? You, can you can't handle that type of fan. 
Graham Wesley, he did all right with. I mean, he brought some of the highlights of the season, didn't he? That Alex Nichols goal against Notts County that sent me wild. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do you own the copyright to that? Because we should be broadcasting uh, that everywhere. BBC, BBC. Uh. But um, yeah, he uh, he did bring some good times back to it. We got some picked up some good results as well. I mean, um, what was it Colchester away? Where he picked mm. up a fantastic Nico. win. Nichols was, again. Yeah. Was he harshly treated then? Because he kind of got a little, he got the same number of games as Mark McGee, and he was actually a manager. Yeah, Mark I, McGee was, you know what? I, we were shaking his head. Can he, I? Can he I got, it yeah. got to the point where it was it was too late. We know Martin can do the job. Get him in all costs, no matter what. It, it was great. You like you were saying, if Graham West was brought in under Mark, before Mark McGee was brought in, then we would probably would have. He could still be our manager. Who knows? But he he. Um, he did start to tail off a little bit. Results started to take a little bit of a drop, and as Will's already said, his substitution sometimes went well, a bit back away. Subs being mentioned because that Wickham game I went to, and yeah. he's bringing on a centre half. And well, like, that, what all, the way away at Coventry City stands in my mind. Is there a swear jar for Coventry City? Duncan Young. He um, it, he. It was we were one nil down, but we were actually playing really, really well. We didn't deserve to be down at all. And Shaq Colthurst was having a game of his life, and Akinde was a bit hit and miss, but you had to have him on the pitch. He was a focal point, and he was actually dragging defenders away to him, which was an allowing space for Nichols and Colthurst and everyone else. And then he took Colthurst and Akinde off with like 15 minutes to go, one nil down. No chance at all for the rest of the game. It was mind boggling as well. And then, you know, it's. He lost. He lost. Port, 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 Port Vale at home as well was a game you absolutely had to win. I was saying for a draw in that game was technically you can answer Tom's question by you know question with a question is a pain, but you can answer that with another question, which is that in a word, and we'll ask you: Do you think Graham Wesley would have kept us up had he, you know had the Martinier bit not happened? Oh, yeah. Just Graham Wesley, would we have stayed up? Well, no, Tom. Without the Martin bit, yeah. no, I still think we would have gone out. So, then we come back to Tom's question, the answer is no, because none of us believe that Graham Wesley would have kept us up. That's a, a, a famous hypothetical It did get to that point where we eight games left and we were severely cut adrift at the bottom. Yeah. We knew Martin was going to be the best bet to get us anywhere close That's to staying up, so we had to put Football's a pretty mucky business and sacking someone after 11 games <laughs> yeah, yeah. when they've not really been able to bring their faithfully in doesn't sit well, but yeah, we've all universally said he wouldn't have done the job at hand, so... Fair enough. You can't grumble. I'm going to call into our suffering on this bit and then go to the bit that everyone loves. You literally just rubbed your hands, Tom. <laughs> literally just rubbed your hands. Right, time for our final break and then Martin Allen. Thanks for listening to the Officers Club podcast. First time listener? Remember, to get all our episodes automatically, subscribe via iTunes, Acast or SoundCloud. Alternatively, visit our website, www.officersclubpod.com Okay, welcome back. It's the fun bit, I suppose, of a <laughs> terrible season. Tom, once again, I'm going to start with you and uh, you can get out your Martin Allen drum and bang it as loud as you want. <laughs> Martin Allen, what a guy. <sighs> what a guy. Um, I really think it wasn't actually going to happen this year. I must admit, it just got on so late. I just... Thought I think we're committed to Graham Wesley now. So when it happened, it was uh, very exciting. He's just and he's done it now. It's just filling there. He just sweeps into the place and goes right. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. Don't worry, Uncle Martin's here. I'm going to sort it. This is how we're going to do it. Everybody's on my ship. We're working hard. We're working nine to five. Blah 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 blah. They're going to be committed. They're going to work hard. They're going to do the bare minimum in everything, which isn't much to ask. But you know what I mean. <laughs> and you guys are going to be a big player out of playing that, and you know all these kind of bollocks that he trots out constantly. But it works. And he came in. He just thought he's going to keep us up now to the point that I told my mate who had not listened to me at the beginning of the season and put a bet on them to get relegated when I said put money on them to get in the playoffs. I said cash that now. They're staying up. I was nearly right, so I double. I, I nearly did he cash it though. He did, yeah. Oh, nice. Fuck, <laughs> mate, you are. I know. One thing I nearly stitched, I nearly stitched him up twice in the season. Um, <laughs> so no, he got something out. He got about eighty percent of his winnings. Anywho, um, he just sweeps into a place and just lifts everything, doesn't it? And that was what he did. And speaking to Michael Nelson, Jamie Stevens, listen to the pods. Um, 
he didn't really change a lot they said it was just kind of lifting people and instilling confidence and it was that simple and I did say you know does anything go beyond that he said you know change little tactical bits but there was no overarching massive shift particularly it was just his presence and his sheer force of personality and um, with another one or two games favourable games not you know looting away <laughs> um, we probably could have done it because it really was you know that Stevenage game that cost us wasn't it the capitulation against Stevenage which we talked about in depth at kind of Easter time you know that was the one that was probably what it hinged not on giving away a penalty at Grimsby as well oh, that too that too yeah there were mistakes there let's be honest yeah, yeah. generally though it was, it was our best shot yeah um, a quick yes no from everyone Will if we had two more games under Martin Allen whether that was at the end or at the start would we have stayed up yeah Tom yeah yeah 100% <laughs> a lot of consensus a lot of agreement in yeah, this podcast isn't there ridiculous I don't think you'd probably be able to do it with one extra game oof wow that's a big shout actually you know you're not wrong because the other teams were stuttering and we were picking up points exactly that's, that's, a, that's a, a good shout um, I, we've kind of discussed Martin Allen a lot beforehand so I'm going to ask one more question and then really leave it to yourselves to, to if you have any, any other business so Will is, is this the end of Martin Allen no there's, <laughs> there's, there's no end to, like you always think there's no possibility that he could come back again and he always does and it's each I mean we were chatting you know before the must have been the beginning of this season gone we're going there's no way he's coming back it's just impossible like he's burned he's surely he's burned all his bridges there's no way but when you're in a desperate situation who do you call you call Martin Allen and the chances of the club being in a desperate situation if they go back up or even if they need to go back up is it's not unprecedented again, no, again. I say his previous, incredibly his previous stint started with him coming in to get them back in the playoffs didn't it after yes. uh, Edgar had gone so yeah you know if, if for some reason it doesn't work for John Still and he's out of work at Chesterfield I think he'll actually do very well at Chesterfield to be fair then it's not it's not beyond uh, oh, Will doesn't agree Will doesn't agree uh, it's not beyond reasonable doubt go on let's make this the Chesterfield pod for a minute <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to right and I could be completely wrong but I don't think he's going to do very well at Chesterfield and I don't think they and I reckon they'll be languishing like mid-table and he'll get the that's sack. a big shout I reckon I'm just throwing this out there yeah, I hate to, hate to be an, yeah, uh, I like, think it's going to be easily marked too mm, I hate to be a pessimist I think we're all kind of kind of joking about it, but I think actually they're going to be a big threat because there's only two places to go up. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I reckon it's just going to be a straight race between us. Well, I think, I think we're going to be hating Martin Allen. I, I know this season. Feel, I know, I, in a way, I hope that he does well because I think it just creates this wonderful subplot to the season of it's oh, yeah. Barnet up against Martin Allen going for those for that top spot. Because you'll be bricking it because you know what he's capable of. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Can't wait for Martin to come to the hive in late May and do a Martin on the game. <laughs> but yeah, the excitement. And it was all about the win. That's it. Yeah, it will create really amazing obvious. excitement. And I, and I, but I do think, and I know this is sitting on the fence a little bit, I think it's going to go one way or the other. So I think either he'll do so well that he's right up in the title race or it's going to be like Eastley and he's just, and he's just can't get anything works. right and yeah. he's down at mid-table I don't think you'll see something in the middle that's the only thing he's, he doesn't yeah. really do the middle does he sorry Jonathan the only thing he's got to change at Chesterfield is they've had a massive losing mentality for the past two three years and he is a master in sort of turning things around like that so that's what he does that's what he specialises yeah. in so you'd imagine he'd do quite well there they were in League One they got, they got double relegated yeah Martin Allen it's just, it's just perfect for him right we're, we're going to go we're going to go miles off but I, yeah we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes right so then all we had to say is a treble champion it's going to good Tom's face he loves it <laughs> going back to the original question though is he going to come back to Barnet he's going to be brought up every time we're looking for a new manager if he's not the one being That's true. brought in TK's going to go to him and say just like he does Barry Bright and John Steele Paul Fair Club it's, it's, it's going to be if it was any other club you'd say yes but you know, the precedent is there isn't it it's just it will happen it's also, it's also gone beyond that stage of uh, you know like he's back like a cockroach it's a negative thing mm. now it's like Uncle Martin you know Uncle, mm. I'm, I'm in a bit of trouble and Uncle Martin came That's in to help out and he swoops in what's the bet that when John Steele retires we replace John Steele with Martin Allen? That's a big shout. That is a big shout. <laughs> I say, I say, I sincerely hope that's not the case. If it, if it is, it shows that over the two-year contract that we've given John Still, we don't actually know. Oh, is it John no Still's going to see out a two-year contract? Oh, big shout! John Still definitely see out a two-year. Really? Yeah. Oh, do you think, you think he's going to get sacked? Because oh, he wouldn't walk. Will he? There's nowhere for him to. Like, he's not going to oh, take another job. I'll tell you what, I've. 
one way or another. He just won't. Who sees out a two-year contract at Volno? Well, to be fair, still done it before. He's done three and uh, oh, that's a different era. This might just be. The, it, don't. We're talking over each other. This, this is, no, this is another pod. This is another pod. What you've done here, Tom? No, it's a half flippant, half serious remark. But you know, it's just Barney in it. It's just no, I'm thinking about it. Sorry, well, you were going to say something. No, I just don't doubt that. Despair. Still, we'll see how the two. I hope you're right. He feels hurt by what you've said. Yeah. <laughs> I've just, I've just gone. I've, as you guys know, I've literally, I've, well, not literally, but I have recently been to see the uh, the Bobby Robson movie, which I oh, yeah. highly recommend going to see, by the way. But in that, when he was manager of Barcelona, he was given a two year contract, and he what, thought he, Owen? Hey. Was, <laughs> <laughs> he was. <laughs> Can you imagine him bringing that style of football to him? (laughs) Well, he was given a two-year contract and he fully expected to be in charge for two years, but hidden within the small print in his contract, it was actually said he's going to be moved upstairs after one year and that's why he Mm. left Barcelona. Could there be someone like that, John Steele Barney? I don't know. It wouldn't be the worst thing, would it? He's been director of football before. Yeah, that's it, exactly. Could be a way to introduce Will to the director of football method. Didn't work last time either. Oh. <laughs> okay, move on, let's move on. Tony Cotty came in as manager and we all know that ended. Oh, God. <laughs> right, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah. So, a game that uh, was well received last time, and I'd like to think you guys liked it. Score reports time. So, four managers Rossi, Mark McBee, Graham Wesley, or Graham Westros, as, uh, as Will said off, off, off mic, and, uh, <laughs> and Martin Allen. Well, I'm going to go for you first. So a grade, a one sentence, what they did well, and a one sentence, what they need to improve on. Rossi Eames first. Rossi Eames, C. Um, got the team playing fantastic football at its best. Aesthetically, the style was wonderful. Needs to improve on. Um, probably become a more pragmatic manager who's willing to play, you know, play the sort of the more dirty side of the game maybe the more direct side of the game mm. um, at times Mark McKee I mean can you do a grade like didn't turn up to the exam <laughs> yeah that's a U that's a U or an X yeah I mean he gets a U and must do better stopping a football manager <laughs> <laughs> um, Will Savage Evans is my favourite Will um, Graham Wesley I mean I guess B B, B minus, somewhere around about that. Um, did well, organised the team, got them well drilled, must do better, stop with the ridiculous substitutions and go for the wins rather than draws uh, when you're in a difficult situation in the league. Martin Allen? Martin Allen, it's got to be an A star, to be honest. And I, and I, the only thing I can say to do, do better is with that Stevenage game uh, when you found a winning team and fullbacks don't start messing around and bringing in youngsters because if he hadn't done that and we got a result of that could, that result could have been the difference just don't yeah. play um, Ryan Watson at right back but with that <laughs> ex- <laughs> yeah Ryan Watson at right but, but with that exception I mean it's just he was absolutely phenomenal this time I can't think of anything bad to say about him he was outstanding Tom uh, Rossi C plus what he, needs to, what he did well, sorry, I think he got something out of Wes and showed that there's a player there. What he needs to improve on is probably not working at Barnet and going somewhere where he's actually able to flourish and work in a normal, non bat crazy environment. Um, because I think, I, think left to, because I think left to do that, he'd do well. Um, and Mark McGee, yeah, I guess a U is fair, isn't it? God. Um, what he did well. He got us a win after a long time when we needed it. I think the players did it, but his name was on his name was above the bar. Uh, what he did badly, um, everything, and I think he needs to just you know think about how he presents and projects himself and be more of a positive person, which I know is probably quite ironic coming from me. Um, who's the other one? Uh, Martin Allen. No. <laughs> Right, sorry Graham Stop 11-10 11-10 Graham Wesley sorry um, I thought I'd whittle through more so quickly Graham Wesley C minus what he did well was moving Dan Sweeney to centre half and kind of coming in with a fresh view on everything and changing things around a little bit like he tried Clough in midfield not saying it worked but he wasn't too preconditioned by what had been before what he did badly, I just think he was a little bit, yeah, a little bit too negative. As Will said, he could have been. We had nothing to lose, so he might as well have lost it rather than trying to lose it, trying to 
game not lose it ver- not lose it yeah just not lose it <laughs> or, or English wow uh, and finally Martin Allen yeah A plus um, what he did well Martin Allen things what he did badly leaving <laughs> I mean, yeah. he, he left well but that's a bad thing for you yeah yeah sorry yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah no um, I think you can't really criticise anything it's just a shame he isn't here but yeah. we've got John Still Viva Long John Still John uh, difficult this actually Rossi Ings what he did well uh, got us playing some very good football produced one of the best Barnet performances I've ever seen in my life with the 4-1 away at Swindon never forget that day what he needs to improve upon if he wants to carry on as a manager or as a coach I don't want to say ditch social media but try and develop some sort of way of blocking out the the criticisms that come along because some people can just take it overboard and if they're t- stuck behind the keyboard they're going to do it it's not it's not right And but there's going to be, a, be, be people out there who do it just try to ignore it Mark McGee what he did well absolutely nothing can what I grade he did, first please oh Mark McGee yeah and Rossi you. and Rossi oh, I've completely forgotten that oh. uh, Rossi Rossi C okay. uh, Mark McGee you what he did well absolutely nothing what he needs to improve in absolutely everything Graham Wesley I'd say B yeah. uh, what he did well uh, I'm not bothering with pluses or minuses by the way <laughs> hard line <laughs> uh, what Graham Wesley did well instilled a lot of confidence back into a very depleted squad mm. uh, but like Will what he needs to improve in is stop with these stupid substitutions when you're chasing a game and putting a defender on for a striker Martin Allen A what he did well give us hope and very very nearly pulled off the impossible uh, what, he did, or the, what he needs to improve is um, keep us up next time when you come back <laughs> <laughs> not wrong fair enough um, I'm very harsh compared to you guys you guys are basically all gone for C U B A C U B A I think you pretty much all went for it right yeah. so for me actually Rossi is a C um, what he did well was I thought actually built a foundation had the squad playing really well negatives unfortunately being a manager means you have to take criticism you have to cope with with uh, with crises and I, I think this experience will stand him in better stead for mm. next time if there is one um, Mark McGee a, an F or a U yep um, what he did well I actually thought he was trying to get the players to demand more to avert crisis I thought he identified the crisis what he did badly is he did not help that crisis in any way shape or form um, and, and yes may have contributed to it because he, he let's be honest before and after his reign are two very different things um, for Graham Wesley I thought you guys were really nice to him I'd say D what he did well he brought a lot of confidence in and he he talked really well as well and kind of changed the mood after Mark McGee the reason I'm being so harsh and well you not like that at all but it just wasn't good enough and we've all sat around this table and said actually we don't think we had confidence in him to keep us up so how he's got a grade that would have passed at GCSE level I don't understand <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's because he would have if he'd started this, it's because it's, it's, it's such a harsh barometer to judge someone when we're in such a dire situation when they come in so when you're ranking him rather than Martin Allen pulled off the impossible and that's why he gets the top grades but in terms of how a manager should be able to do like what's a reasonable expectation he matches that but we we did lose ground under Graham Wesley so Martin Allen had to come in and then do an even better job so if he'd he'd maintained the course maybe I could give him a decent grade but we, we lost ground I I gave him a B because I was thinking more about what he did well and he did do some good things he pulled us some fantastic results I'm not failing him outright because he's been really bad I'm just saying that you know he's he's what he's done is reduced the deficit, right? But we're still we were still losing ground. Compromise, give him a C. No. <laughs> <laughs> and for yeah, Martin Allen A star, what he did well, obviously took us from absolutely nowhere to on the cusp of something incredible. Uh, what he can improve, um, I think it's really tough because it's such a bad bad place, and you can't you know say a man can't lose one game in eight but that Stevenage game actually did quite a lot of damage over the time didn't it if you think of it obviously there's loads of other damage over the season but that wasn't great uh, right well, we shall move on to the final thing which we promised before <laughs> once stop <laughs> 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 
Thank you for listening. We welcome your feedback, thoughts and questions on Twitter at Barnet underscore podcast and on our website, officersclubpod.com. Back from the final break. And as we discussed previously, we've got our Player of the Year awards. Uh, everyone's swatting up. Tom was literally doing some last minute goal of the season YouTubing. Uh, the categories we're going to be awarding for are Player of the Year, Young Player of the Year, Most Improved Player, and Goal of the Season. So, Jonathan, you happy to start, or do you want some more time? Um, I know one or two of them. Go uh, for it. Talk yourself into the rest of them. <laughs> goal of the Season, I'll start with that, because I know that straight away. Shaq Colthurst, hat-trick goal away at Swindon. Just incredible the way he took on about three or four Swindon players. So, nice one to Harry Taylor. And then from the edge of the area, curled a beauty in with his weaker left foot. Um, and that was right off the back of the game against where we lost to Stevenage and everyone was coming in the next short and back. Got to give him that. I can't, can't never forget that. Um, what are the other ones? Player of the season. <sighs> That's a difficult one, isn't it? No one really played well. Uh, Craig Ross did all right, didn't he? Craig Ross had a howler every time I watched him. I was just watching the highlights from Wimbledon in the checker track and he chucked two in. I've completely completely forgotten David Tutonda. He was, yeah, he's probably the player that came away with the most credit out of the whole season, which has been a complete shambles. Uh, So you've got to give it to that. Him, what's the other ones? Young Young player and most improved. Young player, wasn't a lot of young, well, Players are Wesley Fonguck was he was decent, wasn't he? Uh, when he played, never pulled up any trees, but he was steady enough. And most improved player is uh, pretty easy for Dan Sweeney, isn't it? Yes, yeah, man. Yeah, one can argue that. No. I say, do you guys have any different nominations, Tom? Uh, no, it'd probably be Sweeney and Tatonda for me. Um, young Wesley. player, did he nominate Wes? Wes. Yeah, go Wes as well. Yeah, goal of the season. Jamal Campbell Rice at home to Morecambe. That was a lovely goal, wasn't it? I just rewatched it was and it was very good. Actually, that was good. The other one I'd say was Andre Blackman because at that point it was a world full of promise and optimism. Give it to Shaq because he's still at the club. <laughs> <laughs> Shaq was really nice, but what is it offer a different one to you? It's one of the few things I thought I could offer a different one. Will? I mean, I'm on the same page as Jonathan with all of them actually, uh, you know, goal, whatever, player of the season. But the only one that I would say that, is, that maybe we're not thinking about is most improved player. It is Dan Sweeney for me, but... Alex Nichols must be a really oh, yeah, second point yeah, yeah, yeah. he scored all those goals at the end actually I had uh, what, another, concert, another goal worth mentioning the last goal of the season Nichols at home to Chesterfield which was he, a he actually scored about two or three good goals didn't he mm. but, and they came very late so they're quite important yeah, yeah. Morecambe away what a great goal that one as well that's what I was thinking Morecambe and Notts County at home I quite liked Notts County all the goals that sent me ballistic (laughs) (laughs) I think at the end of the season sorry over the course of the season I think we're not going to disagree on who we would award these things to but a couple of other things I want to say that for me Simi Nakanola improved quite a lot from someone we were happy to flog in the summer and what you know had been one of the the fails from last January Uh, and even at the very end one of his first things was trying to get rid of him actually kept him back in there and he did okay so absolutely devastated when he got injured at Morecambe as well yeah he's actually someone where I think this could be the making you say say about being sort of seen as a failure but or not a failure but not one of them not a particularly good signing but I always think that had more down to the fact that no manager was playing him than it was when he was playing every time he was on the pitch he always looked like a pretty decent player Except he was played in the wrong position at times but whenever you got him out wide mm. he, he looked good to me and I think like I don't think he's done a lot wrong I think it's just either the way he's been used or the way he's been dropped in and out of the team that's been the problem joint, very f- joint third top goal scorer of the season in all comps when he very very first joined I think everyone was hyped but I think his end product wasn't that good that, and then he got dropped as a result of that and then you're right he basically never got a proper look in again for some reason because when he did play he looked okay but yeah also uh, scored a very nice goal at home to Yeovil hmm well, yeah, he's got a lovely finish yeah. any, uh, any other shouts in there things that wouldn't have made the award but would have been nominees anything in there commentary of the season Oh. <laughs> <laughs> must say quickly for Mauro Valletti who again well I know we love Mauro Valletti but it's probably fair to say that if he had been picked consistently throughout the season he'd have been our choice for player of the year it's yeah. just mm. the, the when he know, played well he played didn't play well didn't he injury of the season Dave Tarpey yeah. <laughs> that was a killer that was devastating 65 minutes he played in Barnet shirt yeah let's hope we've now got him like a new signing for 
And he came from Conference North, right? No, no, no he stepped up. He got promoted. He scored seven, oh, seven goals in the first month of the season but, for Maidenhead. His um, correct, yeah. No. His I'm sorry, I mean his best body of work was the division below the division yeah. we're currently in. Yeah, we will be in. So hopefully, it's just it's actually going to be easier for him to step up one division than two. So we could. Well, from what Charlie was saying, he's already scored like seven goals in yeah, the first yeah. half in that league. So that implies that he should at least be able last, to step up to it, right? His yes. last game for Maidenhead, he's actually scored four goals in his last game. As you do. Very nice. Outrageous goal scoring record. Excellent. Any other business, will? I think we must have must have covered it I think <laughs> yeah if it isn't covered by now it's never going to be goodbye to a terrible season Jonathan uh, no uh, just thank you for listening and thank you for putting up with us going off on many many tangents yeah, yeah. make sure you're sorry make sure you've subscribed on iTunes and Acast you can see it on SoundCloud and our website officersclubpod.com but iTunes and Acast your main port of call for all our summer content which we will be drip drip dripping out before pre-season starts and I imagine we'll probably uh, aim to get to a game in pre-season and we can do some that's where this all started really business that's it reprise the, uh, it the, the Maidstone show that's where it started the Maidstone, Maidstone show so yeah right and uh, yeah we spent way too long in Essex so I'm going to go before I get a rash thank you gents it's <laughs> good insult the Essex based listeners and <laughs> we're done cheers gents thank you Yeah, I, I haven't enjoyed football for a long time. Purely <laughs> <laughs> um, because this season's doubly bad for me because <laughs> he's gone. This is a mess anyway. We've got, we've got to we've got to take this back to some point. I don't know what point it is, but speak the truth. I thought I held that in well, but then he's gone. <laughs> You said that with like genuine Love truth. Love my head's gone. <laughs> <laughs> you said that with like genuine truth. Like from, from the gut, there was some serious pain that just that came is, out. Well, you try and experience two radiations in one season. <laughs> wow, you're nearly crying. That's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. I was expecting you to say it again, sorry. I am. Uh, <laughs> sorry, it was good. I liked it. <laughs>